And now, Jalen and Jacoby on ESPN Radio. Where the fuck is Trump? Head the deck. Worry about my posse getting jumped. Because if we ever do, yo, TV, pop the trunk. Because we make a pop the trunk and hit the sweep. Now act stupid, I'll pop the trunk. <laughs> give me your ba-boom, Happy Monday, everybody. Huge weekend in the NBA. We will get to all eight series. We have Amino Hassan joining later, but right now we have the honor of being joined by NBA champion Kendrick Perkins in the building. Thank you so much for doing this, Kendrick. Hey, thanks for having me. How y'all doing? I'm doing well. Um, I, my first question is because we like to do podcast exclusive. Of course, we're going to get into the Celtics you know, sweeping the paces, your former team, your former team, the Thunder in trouble against the Blazers and everything else in the NBA. But I have a, a couple of quick questions for you. Number one, does Kendrick Lamar being as popular as he is kind of bother you? No, not at all. Even though he took a, he took a lot of shine from me because at first I was the only Kendrick, but you were the only not, Kendrick, and it's such yeah, a dope name. You, yeah, you man, like but, but hey, but you know what? I'm not tripping though because I'm a fan of Kendrick Lamar, so. Yeah, it's all good. I would say that if, if at least he's not like a corny artist. He's one of the best artists in the game, and he's so good. He's elevating the name instead of taking it down. I agree. I agree 100%. Um, secondly, you know, tell me about your career now. You sort of, uh, you know, you were, you were on a roster not that long ago. Are you looking at the big three? Are you still playing hoops? Are you moving on in, into other things in your life? No, I'm moving on. Um, I'm, I'm retiring from the game. I'm playing the big three, but... I'm moving on, just trying to figure out what's the the next approach. Uh, you know, just really, really ready to drop the knowledge of basketball on whomever. Um, so you know, I'm open to anything and just really just trying to see what's my next step in in the future and see what route I want to take. So where's home right now? Home is Houston, Texas. Oh, nice. Yep, H time. Shout out. Have you been going to Rockets games or watching them on TV? I watch them on TV, man. I, it's, it's it's hard for me to go to games right now. Maybe in a couple of years, I let my I let my kids go though. My boys go to a lot of Rockets games. They go with their father in law, but I don't be in the mood too much to go sit in the stands and watch other NBA players play. Not right now. Maybe in a couple of years, but not right now. So take take me through that. As you know, I've never played in the NBA. What what about what what are you not in the mood for? Like, what does it drum up for you? Well, I mean, I'm just because you know it bring up the memories and bring you it make you want to be back on the court. You know, what I mean, stuff like that. So I'm really just trying to get over that phase of of not playing no more. You know, because <laughs> it's hard once you transition, man. The love that you have for the game. And, you always been a basketball player. It's hard to transition, you know? Yeah, of course. Um, did you say you were going to play in the big three or not? No, nah, I'm playing. Yeah, oh, I'm you playing. are? Yeah. Okay. Yep. So we, yeah, are, are you on a team yet? Tell me about Yeah, that. I'm a co-captain. So it's uh, Andre Owen, Shannon Brown, and myself right now. And we actually got to draft two more. Uh, we got to draft two more players. So we'll see how that goes. We got to do that on the 29th and 30th. That's exciting. When does this season start? Uh, June the 22nd. See, I'm interested in the big three. I think this is going to be a successful league moving forward for people like yourself. You know what I mean? This obviously still have some basketball left in them, have a big name, a huge following amongst NBA fans. But tell me about, here's my question about the big three. How does the X's and O's, like how does your approach to a three-on-three game with their quirky rules, how does that change and how hard is it going to be to adjust to? 
Well, I mean, I think it's just more of a physical game. Um, mm. You know, obviously they had a four-point shot, but I think it's just if you're not ready to be physical, then that might not be the game for you. But, you know, you, it's, it's, I mean, it's a lot of guys in there that's, that was elite players in the league. Like, you know, you have Gilbert Arenas who who playing this year. You have Coutinho Mobley who plays in it. You have... Al Harrington, you know, Steven Jackson. Al Harrington, Steven there. Jackson, Rashard Lewis. I mean, there's some talent in there. So, Big Baby, you have to really go in. Reggie Evans. So, it's like, you know, Carlos Boozer, Myers Stoudemire. So, I mean, you know, you have to really go in there and they compete. And they compete at a high level. Like, guys actually come in really wanting to win the championship, you know? Yeah. I was so delighted, just so ecstatic that we were going to have the Trailblazers, and your former team, the Thunder, in the first yes. round of the NBA playoffs. I thought it was going to be much more competitive than this. Late last night, the Trailblazers beat the Thunder to go up 3-1 in the mm. series. Now, if you look at the Denver and San Antonio side of this bracket, are the Blazers now poised to make a run to the Western Conference Finals? They are. I mean, they are really good, man. And, yeah. you know, surprisingly, I had Oklahoma City pick to win this series mm-hmm. only because of the of Portland big man going out. And I think, man, not only have Dame and CJ raised raised the game to another level, but Aminu is playing great. Harkless yep. is playing great. I mean, Counter is doing a great job. Uh, Collins, I mean, Seth Curry, they are deep, man. And, you know, right now, man, they really buying into, you know, Coach Stott's uh, – you know, his game plan and into his system. And, man, they are really out here hungry right now, man. Very surprising. And I think, you know, they get past this series right here, I think they win the next series. It certainly does look like that. And, you know, again, I don't want to overreact, but it is 3-1, and just a couple of bounces of the ball could have this as an even series. But I don't see the Thunder coming back to win this. What has gone wrong through the Thunder for the Thunder thus far in this series? Well, you know, at, at the end of the day, you know, the series, the hardest game to close, the hardest game in the series to win is a closeout game. And we all know what type of person uh, Russ is, and he's going to come out and compete. So, but the Thunder have put themselves in a bad situation right now with the Trailblazers. I mean, they going back to Portland down 3-1. Portland is playing with a lot of confidence. The role players for Portland stepped up on the road, something that you never see really in the NBA. Role players usually shine at home. These guys stepped up on the road. And it's gonna be hard for it's gonna be hard for the Thunder because they can't make shots right now. And it's a bad time. They can't make shots and they're not getting stops. So, you know, I always was thinking that, you know, for us with the Thunder, they was gonna hang their hats on the defensive end and translate that to offense. But they have yet to do that. They have yet to dominate the paint points. And everything is just working in the Trailblazers' favor, man. And much props to them. Yeah, it's been working out for them. And you mentioned Russell Westbrook. And Russell Westbrook did not have a great night last night. He scored just one point in the second half. You've played with Westbrook before. How right. does this happen in this big of a game? I don't know, man. I, I mean, I never, I, I'm surprised just like anybody else. I'm, I'm good friends with Russ and I just never seen, I, I never seen this side of him, man. And, you know, at the end of the day, I feel like right now, you know, uh, 
Russ needs to be put in position to be successful. And if his jump shot is not falling, then he needs to have something where they drawing up plays where he's going downhill, getting to the basket, or he's posting up, you know, cross screens to the post up, to the block, you know, going to work on the block, anything to get him going. Um, You know, I think he's trying to do it. You know, he's making it up on the fly. But, you know, they have to put him in position, I mean, in position to be successful. And right now, I don't think that the Thunder are doing that. I don't think that Coach Billy Donovan is doing that. And I think, you know, you got to find a way to get him going, got to find a way to get PG going. But shooting threes is not the recipe uh, for the Thunder to beat the Trailblazers. I'm really glad you brought that up. That's one of the reasons I love talking with ex-NBA players about the NBA because if you watch of what Westbrook is doing, he's kind of doing a lot of creating for himself, starting with the ball beyond the three-point line with his feet standing still. Correct. So tell me more about what else Billy Donovan should be running to put him in position to get some downhill momentum. Well, I mean, obviously high pick and roll with uh, Steven Adams. You got to bring Ennis Cantor up in the pick and rolls. We all know Ennis Cantor is a great player offensively, but mm-hmm. his defense his defense is 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 below average. I mean, the stats have shown it. I mean, you know, in pick and roll and you know people scoring on him, he gets scored on seventy percent of the time. And I think you know we got they have to do a good job of having Russ going downhill. And also, how about run a couple, couple cross screens from, from block to block and get him posted up on the block? I mean, he's did a great job over the last couple of years of developing the post game. Don't just have him out here shooting jumpers after jumpers and, you know, you know, pull up jumpers. Let's get him downhill. Let's get him some paint points. Let's get him some touches where he could get to the free throw line and get easy baskets. Cause I think that's the only way that this OKC team and Russ is going to be able to beat the Trailblazers. I think that's a really good point, especially about Russell Westbrook. I mean, he broke out the Rock the Baby celebration this year, and a lot of times he does that after he posts up someone smaller. He's now being guarded by Damon CJ, someone who he could take advantage of in that exact way. I look forward to seeing that in Game 5. I think the Thunder take Game 5, but not the series. But I know it will be intense, especially after the performance that Russell Westbrook just put down. Now, Kendrick. After this happened this weekend, I knew you were going to be on the show on Monday, and I was like, I cannot wait to talk to Kendrick Perkins about this. Sure. What's up, Cole? These The Nets... The Nets lost to the Sixers on their home floor in Game 4 to take a 1-3 deficit in the series, but this is the play I want to talk to you about. We have... Allen with the ball. Another hard foul on Allen. Joel Embiid right. kind of points his finger. Here comes Dudley. And then there goes Jimmy. You know, you've been involved in these sort of NBA skirmishes before. So let's just start at the very top of it. What did you think about the hard foul f- from Embiid on Allen? Well, I mean, it was a hard foul. It was a playoff foul. But I think all this escalated from what happened the previous games, you know, mm. and the remarks that uh, Joel said after the game. And at the end of the day, I didn't think Jimmy or Jared Dudley deserved to get ejected because it wasn't nothing but a couple of little taps. It ain't like somebody went out and swung a punch. It was just a little shoving. Give them text and move on. But at the end of the day, you know, I think that was a hard foul. Uh, it should have been a flagrant foul. Um, but at the end of the day, J- uh, Jared Dudley 
Jimmy Butler can't put himself in that position yeah. uh, to get kicked out of yeah. games. These are major games, and can't get can't can't get ejected, especially for Jimmy Butler. Yeah. Although uh, Joel down the stretch, he came down the stretch and you know took him home, man. And I, uh, yeah. Brett Brown did a great job of posting him down the stretch, but I didn't think either guy should have got ejected, man. That was that was nothing but a couple little love taps, a little push. Hey, man, get off my teammate. Move on, man. You know, give him a couple of texts. Let him play. So here's a question. We all know what Jimmy Butler and Joel Embiid mean for the 76ers. And with all due respect, we know what Jared Dudley means for the Nets. Is Dudley doing this intentionally? Is he trying to talk in the media more than he should? Is he trying to mix it up with the other team more than he should in order to bait them into doing things like Jimmy Butler did to get ejected from the game? Well, I don't know. I, I wouldn't say that, but I from from the outside looking in, it do look like Jared Dudley is the captain of the Brooklyn Nets. You know, he's mm-hmm. look like he look like he's the leader on and off the court, and he, and guys respect him. So, you know, to me, Jared Dudley always been a guy that he would do anything to win, and you know, his his teammates love him, his coaches love him. And he actually been playing some pretty good basketball. Yeah. And, um, you know, he's the emotional leader. And I don't think he did it intentionally. I actually just think he was standing up for his teammate at that point in time. Especially after what happened, and I believe that was game two between Embiid and Allen. If you're you're their teammate, you're like, hey, man, one time it seemed a little unintentional, but this is right. just too much. So he and stepped he's, in. He's the big brother of the group, you know? Yeah, he is a very young team, and Jared Dudley's obviously been in the league for a while. And he, right. Jared Dudley low-key had a really good game one for the Nets. And we'll see what happens in game five in this series. But it is now time for News That Matters. All right. Evan Turner did something absolutely unbelievable <laughs> before Game 3. You know, we've all seen NBA players wear crazy things to games. Right. And you know the lights are louder and brighter in the playoffs. But this outfit, <laughs> this? Just, I mean, what, what is this? I, I mean, was his Elvis Presley impression? I mean, I, I don't know. I'm like... I was surprised when I seen it. I'm like, man, what is like what look, I'm all I'm all in for people trying to make their own fashion statement. Sure. Hey man, sure. if you like it, I love it. You know, hey, do your thing. I'm happy for you, but I couldn't understand this one for the life of me. I mean, I, let's just take another look at it because we did a lot of analysis of this. <laughs> Apparently, those are Virgil Abloh, Louis Vuitton pants. I'm oh, like, I don't care man. who makes those pants. I don't care how much they cost. They're right. Only, that's the Wizard of Oz. That's right. the actual scene from the Wizard of Oz on his pants. And then if you're going to wear those ridiculous pants, you can't have like a like a, a doctor, a straight jacket slash doctor's outfit from 2055 on top. Uh, I, I, bet just, you, I just don't understand it. I bet of. you this. They only sold one pair of pants. They probably only sold one pair of pants, and those were to Evans. Was- <laughs> <laughs> because nobody else would have bought it. That I don't outfit give it alone. Like, oh, my God. God that bless That makes me feel like the Thunder can come back in this series. Like, if those are think- the type of decision-making that your backcourt is making, <laughs> the Thunder might be able to come back in this series. Right. Well, don't for count real. them out. I tell you that. that that's a prideful organization. I know that. The team you won an NBA championship with, the Boston Celtics. Right now, as we sit there, the only team that has advanced to the second round of the playoffs after sweeping the Pacers. Kendrick, there was so much drama around this team. Is mm-hmm. Kyrie going to leave? You know, is Hayward back? Does Rogier need more minutes? Seems like they kind of figured it out in this series specifically. Have the Celtics righted the ship? 
Well, I think I think they look great. Um, obviously, the way they playing right now. Um, look at the guys up off, off the bench cheering for one another, and I think um, they they you could tell the camaraderie as as it's almost feel like a family, just on the outside looking in. Um, Kyrie is really being the leader right now. You know, I see him communicating. Uh, he's taking over when need be. Jason Tatum is Jason Tatum, a young star in the making, and I'm really uh, I'm really impressed with Jalen Brown. I mean, he's yeah. been up and down all season with minutes, and man, you know, he came in these last two games and really was a true professional and really stood out and made some big some big plays. And now Hartford, he's the glue he's the glue guy, glue glue guy, and then along with Gordon Haywood, you got. You know, he's playing great now, man. The Celtics are going to be real dangerous, man. I could see them turning the corner right now. Yeah. I mean, they do look good, but after watching these games, and I watch a lot of these, these, this series, this is probably the series I watch the most of, is the Pacers don't really have anybody to go to. It's just that so many high screens for Bogdanovich and then right. high screen between Turner and Collison and this. It's just, without Victor Oladipo, there's a part of me that says, yeah, the Celtics might have righted the ship, but also, the Pacers might be a good regular season team and a terrible playoff team just based on their roster alone, no fault of theirs. Do you think there's some truth to that? Um, Yeah, it is, but still in all, the Celtics still went hound to their business. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, they swept them. Like, if, if it was they took them to six games or seven games, then you could say, okay, Boston dealing with something. But, no, they actually did what they were supposed to do. They went in there and they beat Indiana without their best player, and they beat them four games straight and swept them. So yeah. I think that's a lot to be proud of. And and by the way, the Pacers are a pretty good team, man. Yep. Even without Victor Oliver Depot, they're well coached, and they got a lot of good – they are a good team, man. Great. So, I mean, for I think that was a pretty strong statement that Boston made, uh, you know, by ending this series in four games. And one thing that's been a bit surprising for the Celtics is Gordon Hayward's return from injury. I mean, obviously he's working himself back, but anyone who's watched the Celtics all season long has seen that he's been just not himself, but he's coming into form right now. He had 20 points on 7-for-9 shooting, 3-for-3 from three-point range. Do you expect him to continue this hot streak as they get deeper into the playoffs? Yes, I mean, well, he's playing with a lot of confidence. And, you know, usually when you come back from an injury, man, he usually – you could come back from the injury, but it usually take you about a year and a half, almost two years to get back to your normal self. And you can see Gordon Haywood turning that corner, man. And he's looking great right now. He's looking like the old the old Gordon Haywood back in Utah that the Celtics, you know, signed last year, I mean, before the injury. So, I mean, I think the sky's the limit, man. And, and, and then they experience because, you know, they, they took – the young guys took the Cavs team that I was on the seven games of the Eastern Conference Finals. So yes, they they're not afraid of the moment. So they could be, they are really scary and dangerous right yeah. now. Well, another team that's poised to finish their series in a sweep is the Houston Rockets. Now, the Houston right. Rockets beat the Jazz over the weekend. But what I want to talk to you about is this James Harden did not play that well. He did not look like the MVP candidate that he was during the regular season and throughout the playoffs so far. He was 3-for-20 from the field, but the Rockets still found a way to win, and he made a lot of free throws in this game. What do you think about this sort of underwhelming performance from James Harden? Well, the thing is, I mean, we all subject to have one bad game. I mean, everybody Mm -hmm. goes through it. But 
the thing that nobody's talking about is how great the Rockets' defense been lately. Um, they defense, you know, even the last couple of games of the regular season, you know, went to another level. And now throughout the playoffs, James had a James didn't play his best game, but they hung their hats on the defensive end, and they didn't give Utah anything easy. I mean, they played every possession hard, and guys was playing. Well, you seen guys rotating, so I think the Rockets don't get enough credit about their defensive side, defensive end, and how much they just stepped up on that side. I think that's a really good point because early on in the season, the defense was atrocious. But if right. you look at the numbers, like after the All-Star break, they really came together on the defensive end. I mean, even adding Austin Rivers, who's a pretty good defender, helps. And Chris Paul's obviously a great defender. They have been a good defensive team late in the season and mm-hmm. in this playoff series. And another thing that's funny is we talk about James Harden's poor performance. He had 22 and 10 assists. You know what well, I mean? Still. I think he went to the line 16 times. Like the, Our expectations for him are so high that he doesn't need to have a great shooting game to still affect the game, to still account for a lot of points for the Rockets' offense because he does that. But one thing I found interesting that I have to talk to you about is let's listen to Cassidy, our homegirl colleague and friend, talk to James after the game. I have a question for you after you hear this. Right. A hard-fought win, despite you going 0 for 15 from the field, oh. mentally. <laughs> yes, mentally. Oh, no. You didn't know that? I went 0 for 15. You didn't know that? No, I didn't know that. From the field, I don't remember. Can you go 0 for 15 from the field and not remember? Like, can that happen? Can you really not know if you're 0 for 15? Nope. Oh, you know if you're 0 for 15. <laughs> okay, good. But James played it off so cool, though. <laughs> James played it off so cool. But, oh, trust me, you know. I mean, you... A lot. I mean, as a basketball player, you don't go and chase stats or whatever. You don't want to look at the stat sheet and see what you got going on or this, that, and other. But you know when you haven't hit a basket. I'm pretty sure of that. So he knew that, but <laughs> he played it off pretty well, though. But that was the interesting question she asked, though, at that time. <laughs> yeah, she was like, oh, he's like, oh, I was over 15. Like, what do you mean? I didn't know I was over 15. Right. I loved it. Well, one series that's been somewhat it was started off fun when the Magic stole game one in Toronto, the DJ Augustine three, and we thought maybe the Magic were going to make a run. They were a good home team. Ever since then, the Raptors have pretty much shut down the Magic. But I want to talk to you about the play of Kawhi Leonard. He was just so efficient, so robotic, and so productive against the Magic in game four. He had 34, six rebounds, two blocks, and two steals. What did you think of the play of Kawhi Leonard? Man, I think Kawhi Leonard is top five players in this league. Oh, yeah. And uh, you know, earlier today on uh, on the get up, I made a comparison and I said Kawhi Leonard game reminds me of Michael Jordan. I didn't say he was Michael Jordan. I said the way he plays the game reminds me of Mike. Like if you go and watch, just how just he mimics Mike the way he finds his spots, one two dribble pull ups, his fadeaways, the way he palms the ball when he dunks the ball, his active big hands on the defensive end, stuff like that. Kawhi is is, is really, really special. And uh man, the things he's doing right now, man, is unbelievable. It is. And there are GMs all around the league putting together their free agent pitch for Kawhi Leonard. I know I would. Those meetings. When he <laughs> takes those meetings, he's, he's, he's got to be. I mean, even if you have a very, very slim shot, you have to prepare something for Absolutely. Kawhi Leonard. 
Kendrick Perkins, I want to thank you so much for coming through. You're welcome back anytime on Jalen and Jacoby. We look forward to you and the rest of your big three career and your impending media career as well. Thank you so much for your time. Hey, thank you, Jacoby. Appreciate you, my brother. Shout out. Let's get it, people, what they want. Amin El Hassan joins the podcast. Amin, Jalen Rose doesn't watch Game of Thrones. It's it's one. It's I have very few complaints about Jalen. Like he's pretty much a perfect human being through and through. But I really wish he watched this show because I love talking about this show more than anything else in my life. Spoiler alert: If you haven't seen episode two of season eight, we're about to discuss it. Amin, I loved that episode. Really? I loved every second of it. I loved it so much. But they, they're not messing around anymore. No more time for fluff. Every scene is impactful. Every scene answers questions. Every scene means something. And I absolutely am here for it. I love that episode. David, come on, man. Like, that whole episode was nothing but fluff. Look, when homie started singing, that's what I knew. Oh, ain't nothing happening in this episode. Oh, we see. singing songs now? Come oh, on. No. The see, whole, I'm, hey, see. Brianna Tarth, we're going to knight you. Oh, what was that about? Yo, I, I oh, gotta, I gotta. She's gonna die. She's gonna die. We can tell. You can, you can tell watching that episode who's gonna die. Like Grey Worm and, and Missandra. Oh. About, so they're like, oh, the beaches. We'll go to the beach after this. I got plans. We'll go on a Disney cruise in the Bahamas. Like, oh no, that's not happening. Like, oh, you are dead. You can just tell who's gonna die. You no, can tell it's, it's, it's kind of weird that they know they're about to fight the most unstoppable, like, force on earth. And everyone's kind of making plans for what we're gonna do after this. Come on, man. You know what it's like? Remember the buddy cop movies of the 90s where the guy's yeah. like, well, I'm one day from retirement. I look at this oh, yeah, the boat that I bought and of all course. that. And then they end up getting shot right there. I don't drink before rec league games the next day. You know what I mean? It's like, y'all about to be in the biggest battle of your life and you're just out getting hammered? Like, until the wee hours? Like, oh. come on now. No, come man. On now. It, was, it, was, it was very sloppy. It was very forced. Stop, like, the whole Sansa oh, and... The whole Sansa and uh, Daenerys meeting. I love that conversation. I oh, it was so See, over the top. It. I loved it. Oh, no. When when Daenerys flipped it on her, Sansa had a great point. She's like, listen, like a lot of men are easily manipulated when they're in love. And then Daenerys was like, oh, by the way, all I care about is getting the, the, you know, the Iron Throne. I've got two dragons and I've got three armies and I brought them all to your house to fight his war. Who manipulated who? I thought that was brilliant. It's not his Absolutely war. Brilliant. He's, oh, you're not living now? Oh, Daenerys? Oh, you 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 just cool? Okay. Remember, they got one of your dragons, man. But here, here's my, here's the, here's the one scene that I did like when he reveals to her that he's really a Targaryen in the crypt, and then you look at her and you know, ooh, she's her daddy's daughter. She crazy. She don't care about his big mad. picture stuff. She got mad. She was mad. I like. She, she doesn't care really about the big picture. She was. It was a really good performance. She was just like you could tell from her face. She's like, oh. I don't care if that's true. You're going down. You know yeah. what I mean? She's like, she's like, I got one goal. Yeah. I got one goal and one goal only. And it got, it's, it's not about who the rightful heir is amongst my family. It's about me sitting on that throne. That's what I've been looking forward to my whole entire life. I love the episode. Arya getting it in. Oh, that was kind of weird. What are you talking oh, no, about? That you weren't made uncomfortable all. by that? No, not at all. Not at all, man. I loved it. I loved the entire episode. I love every scene. No. I don't understand some of the sword stuff. Like, I think the swords are more important in the books. You know? What do you mean, like, like the him giving Mormon uh, his sword? Yeah, he when he gives, he gives. I think it's Jorah or whatever. Yeah, you know, Jorah. Gives, so yeah, Jorah, Jorah friends Mormont on. the sword because something about 
Yeah, George friend zone. Something about his family had it, and he stole it, but his dad didn't like him, and George's dad didn't like him. And, like, and then, like, the whole thing about uh, taking ice, Ned's sword, and then melting it down. Apparently, I learned this from Talk the Thrones. If you take a sword in battle, you're supposed to send it back to the original family in this world? Like, what? Yeah, that's like, like the respect. Jersey swapping? It's like Dwayne Wade with the jersey swapping? Like, what is this? <laughs> what are we? Like, what is this? What are we doing here? That's funny. If I... If I, if I take a castle in a battle, I'm not giving it back to you. So why would I give the sword back? Dude, how are it's you not uncomfortable about Arya getting it in, man? Um, It was explained well. I know, but still. She was explained well. She's I, like, yeah, I, I'm about to look, die. I liked all the flirting up to that point where she says, I know death, and she's throwing the, th- the daggers. I thought that yeah, was yeah. cool. Even her saying, look, I'm gonna, I'm, I might die tomorrow. I want to know what it feels like. But then I, I like didn't it. expect them to go ahead and, like, all right, guys, just cut. Like, we don't need to. You can just you, cut, so to, cut thinking, to them in bed still, afterwards. You're still thinking of Arya. You're still thinking of Arya like an eight-year-old girl. Yeah, you know man. What I mean? That's She's what a you're child. still thinking. Oh, it's so uncomfortable. There is only one series, one single series amongst the eight series in the first round of the NBA that feels competitive, and that is what we will discuss first. The Denver Nuggets knotted up their round one matchup with the Spurs at 2-2 with a spirited win on the road in San Antonio. Jamal Murray, as you saw there, finally starting to look like Jamal Murray. Jokic had himself a big game. What does Denver need to do to win this series? Well, first of all, that needs to keep happening. Jokic and Murray have to lead the way. I thought Jokic delivered a a tremendous game, a real MVP caliber game. We think he's an MVP caliber player during the regular season. Now he's got to step up and make that happen in the postseason, and he did that in the last game. But what I like about him is he can dominate the game without forcing action, right? Which mm-hmm. is kind of, I know, contradictory to what I just said. It's, it's, and that highlights how hard it is. He's got to make his presence felt without going out of the flow of the game because the Nuggets play best when he's a facilitator. And then on the other hand, Jamal Murray has to have a great offensive game. We saw that in the, uh, the big game two that he had. He hit a lot of the shots. Many of them were terrible, right? But when yes. his shot selection's on point, he makes his, his looks. They're always tough to beat. Yeah. Well, I like that. I like what you said about Jokic, even though it did seem to contradict itself. Like, let me ex- break that down a little further. They kind of run their offense through him. They give him the ball standing around the three-point line. They run guards around him. And then if he gets the ball in the post, he'll back into his guy with three dribbles and just kind of wait for a double team. If one doesn't come, he'll turn over one shoulder and take some ugly shot that goes in. But if it <laughs> does come, then he hits the open shooters like Working their offense through him, it's not like he's James Harden sizing up his man and going one-on-one and then making a play for somebody. He just kind of patiently picks his spots and hits shots when he needs them. Do you think that's a fair assessment? Yeah, no, it's almost the reverse of James Harden. James Harden gets the ball looking to score, and then when things happen defensively, he's excellent at finding the release valves. Think of him driving the lane and putting up what looks like a floater, but is actually a lob to Clint Capella. Yep. Jokic is the opposite. He's, his initial thing is, who am I going to find off all this? And when all of those options are exhausted, they're like, well, that means I'm wide open to score. So it's, I like that. That's a very nice, like, two sides of the same coin type of action. Yeah. It is. And I read this really interesting, uh, like, profile of Jokic on the ringer, and it kind of part of this personality, too. Like, the, the Nuggets kind of had to go to Jokic and say, hey, man, like, you're Jokic. Mm-hmm. We're us. This is your team. And he was kind of a reluctant leader, but it seems like this year he has taken a step forward. And I'm predicting that next year he is actually going to be in the MVP conversation after the All-Star break, not just before it. You want a spoiler alert? He's on my ballot. Oh. I won't tell you where, but he made my oh. ballot. 
How many spots you get? Five? I get five spots. Number five. You don't have to tell me. He's number five. You don't have to tell me. It depends, depends on if the Paul George thing really June 26th, we find out. <laughs> well, something tells me that he will not be holding the trophy this year, but maybe no. he will in the future. <laughs> this is one interesting point from the game that I wanted to talk to you about. And it's a gentleman by the name of DeMar DeRozan. The game was getting a little sort of out of hand at this point. So DeMar is just dribbling up. And there's, it's a block charge call. See, he throws the ball. We didn't really see where he threw the ball in that play. But oh, oh look. The ref just happens to be standing right there. He was ejected for the game. Do you think that it should go further than that? And what do you think about DeRozan's response to this call? No, I mean, no, it doesn't go. It got, he threw the ball at... By the way, how does Scott Foster keep getting these games? He's like yes. the one ref I can identify that everybody hates. I've never heard a player or a team say, you know what? That Scott Foster guy, he's really good. Right? He's the only one, but somehow he keeps getting these big games. I guess his uh, completion percentage is awesome. That's the thing that the refs track. But no, uh, DeRozan, ejection and a fine, that's about it. Like, we know. He got frustrated. He did the wrong thing. He knows he did the wrong thing. We move on out there. You don't need anything more than that. Yeah, and also, like, I can go through his decision-making process. He's like, oh, I'm really angry right now. I'm going to throw this ball at the referee. Because there, let's, let's be honest, like, NBA players are not just accurate shooting the ball. They're extremely accurate passers. They throw basketballs around for a living. If he wanted to hit the ref, he could have hit the ref. But as he had a cock back and he had it to, you know, Scott in his sights, he was like, let me not throw it at him. Let me just throw it kind of in his vicinity so I don't get suspended. Because that certainly saved him a lot by not throwing it directly at Scott Foster. Jacoby, I once got hit by a ball from full court as I was trying to escape. And, and I was running to the corner of the practice court, and right before I got to the staircase, which would have got me cover, I got hit right in the hand as I was carrying a drink. Well, here's a question. Why are you trying to escape, and who's throwing basketballs at you? Why do you got to give me more of this? We, we, don't, we don't snitch around here. I won't say who it was, but it was a player who who's had a long and illustrious career, and he... Was because I was talking, I was talking trash, and so as I'm trying to escape the gym, he's, I'm telling you, all the way at the other end of the court, in the corner, takes the ball, and I'm running, and he throws it, and literally right at the last moment, I'm like, I almost, I can, I can just get to the staircase, I've got some cover, and boom, I got that drink in my hand, <laughs> hits me right in the hand right there. Phoenix Suns, long, illustrious career, extremely accurate passer. Hmm. <laughs> hmm. He's not a two-time MVP. Let me put it that way. Okay. The culprit is MVP. not a two-time MVP. Okay. I got you. Shaquille O'Neal. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> the Warriors and the Clippers. God, that 31-point comeback was so much fun. We had, thought we had ourselves a series heading mm. to L.A. Turns out that maybe the Warriors are a better basketball team than the Clippers. <sighs> Just perhaps. Mm. Maybe. Perhaps. Maybe. Maybe there's a reason that they were up by 31 in the third quarter and then completely shut it down and lost the game. However, there is something to discuss here. Clay and KD carried the Warriors to take the 3-1 lead in Game 4 in Los Angeles. But Steph Curry, not great in game four. Right. Steph Curry was 21% from the floor. Right. One of nine from behind the arc. I have a lot of questions about this, but I'll start with what's up with Steph Curry? Oh, I mean, he had a bad game. James Harden had a bad game, and they won. And, and uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, go throughout, everyone in the playoffs has had bad. Ben Simmons had bad game earlier. Yep. It happens. Like, I think this thing where... 
they're supposed to be on all the time, every single time we see them. Yep. It's kind of a misnomer. I mean, even if you look at like some of Michael Jordan's games, that one of my favorite things about uh, the game six in Utah in '98 was that I think Jordan shot like two for 17 in that quarter. He was terrible in the fourth quarter. He hit like two, he he had a layup. And he had that jumper, and I think he had one more layup and a, and a bunch of free throws beyond that. And so it, it happens, right? And if you're the Warriors and if you're Steph Curry, that's the luxury of having Klay Thompson and Kevin Durant is that I don't need to feel pressed to be extremely uh, offensively brilliant every single night because, look, these guys are going to carry him. Yeah. Of course, like they're always, they're always have a net, especially when it comes to scoring. But one thing about this team is we've seen Steph Curry have these nights and We've seen Klay Thompson have these nights, but Kevin Durant's always pretty consistent. Certainly, you could point to a couple box scores over the last 81 games. How about game two? How about game two? What are you, 81 games? I I just said I'm sure you can do this. But (laughs) Kevin Durant seems to be pretty consistent. And with all three of them, it just feels like there's going to be someone who's going to get you a lot of points on this team. Yeah, and you know, look, let's talk about the real thing here. Let's talk about Klay Thompson, man. Because this... This dude lives in his own world. I, I'm, I'm convinced he doesn't know what the score is. He doesn't know yes. what the series is. He just shows up and plays basketball. He doesn't know who the opponent is or what city they're in or what, what time it is or what year it is. Man, I'm telling you, the, the shot that he hit where Durant passed him the ball in the corner and he reaches out with his left hand and just like, it was, it was such a high degree of difficulty with such a small window. I truly believe he didn't know that there was a guy on him. He was just like, ah, oh, let me just steal <laughs> well, you, well, you know why he played so well, right? He went to the beach, and, right? Yes, him and Jonas Jerebko were playing volleyball, and he told Jonas Jerebko that if he jumped into the Pacific Ocean, that that would cleanse him like the waters of, of Lake Minnetonka. And now he's back, and he played a great game. And he said he would not do it when they're in the bay because the water is too cold. And also, the outfit after the game, everything about Clay Thompson is just fascinating. It's just fascinating. By the, by the way, beach volleyball with Jonas Jerefko. Man, if ever there was a stereotyping that hit me <laughs> Isn't on he the Swedish, head. though? Like, I swear he's Swedish. I, he's, he's like, I don't know if they, he's ever played beach volleyball before. But I think he Clay looks, Thompson had to teach him how to play. He looks like he plays beach he does, volleyball. He does look like a beach volleyball player. I think that's fair. Very quickly, the Clippers season is over. I don't care if this, if the series is not over. Yeah. They've got two max slots. They looked pretty good. Yeah. I think they're going to get a couple notable free agents from this big class. Take a look at these. Can you see two of these going there? Can you yeah, pick I, a couple? Can you pick one? Yeah, I, I see one. I think Kawhi Leonard, they've got a great chance of, of going after Kawhi Leonard. I think, well, you know, what, what, I, what I call these kind of series, Jacoby, is an infomercial. You're basically mm. advertising to the rest of the league, to all the other free agents. Look at us. We're scrappy. We're pretty good without you. Look how hard we play. You. Look yeah. how well coached we are. See, yeah. I call them auditions. I, I call them auditions. You call them infomercials. It's the exact same thing. Yeah. It's just like, we know we're not going to win this series, but if we can come back from 31 and Doc Rivers says some nice things and Steve Ballmer gets yep. excited, we can get you excited to come play here. They're auditioning for the rest of the league. They're not going to beat the Warriors. By the way, same is true of the Brooklyn Nets. You see that mm-hmm. with, their, with their owner? Coming out and, and uh, defending the team and defending Sean Marks. Same thing. They're just saying, look at us. We're great guys. Look at this culture yeah. that we've created. <laughs> Granted, we only won one game in the series, but look at this culture. Don't you want to be a part of this culture? <laughs> exactly. Well, it is now time for Soft Mover Boss. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the best performance from all eight games in the NBA this weekend was from this woman. Take a look at this hair. I don't know how you get there. I don't know why you would get there, but she got there. 
Amin, this hairstyle, soft move or boss move? Yo, I got to shout out my guy, Zach Harper, because he said it best. When he saw this picture, he said, just let your soul glow. Just let it's it shine. That's a, that's a boss move. She knew what she was doing. That wasn't an accident. She didn't stick her hand into a socket. <laughs> Perhaps. I have so many questions. Like, how long does it take to get that done? Does it, does it heat that does that? You tease it out? Dude, when you're riding on the way to the game, can you put your head against the headrest or not? Nah? Do you have to, like, lean forward the whole time? Does she sleep at night with that? Does she take a shower afterwards? What do you think about this? Just the I, process. I, look, first of all, I like how non-plus she is by everything. She's chewing her gums. Oh, she's yeah. looking around like, what are y'all looking at? Oh, oh yeah, this exactly. old thing? Oh, yeah, exactly. you know. But like, I, I'm guessing it took a couple hours in the salon and she came straight from the salon straight to the game. I think so. And I also think she did not put her head on the headrest. And she probably said, you know what? Forget it. I'm going to sleep on this tonight. Does, she get, does it itch? That's my question. Like when you get the scalp itch, what do you, how do you? You can't. You can't itch you know? it unless you have like a pen or something. What is your number to get that haircut on your head? So everyone's got a number for everything. For you to wear that hairstyle for one week on air, and what's your number? Jacoby, as you can tell, I'm finally challenged. How much am I paying to get that much hair? Or how much are they paying me? <laughs> Good point. Good point. Good point. Moving on. Ezekiel Elliott, one of the best running backs in the National Football League and one of the best athletes on the planet, uh, just hanging out on Instagram, posting himself, eating some crawfish, and hanging out with his colleagues. This picture, however, has been wildly criticized, claiming that Ezekiel gained some weight this offseason. Fair to criticize Ezekiel for this picture, criticizing him, soft move or boss move? Uh, criticizing him is definitely a soft move. Look, yeah, this man is in I the offseason. He gets to do what he wants. As long as he shows up to work on time, in shape, I yeah. don't have a problem with it. I'm not here for legislating how players spend their offseasons. And by the way, he is a naturally husky dude anyway. So it's not mm-hmm. like he gained that much weight. There's also this is, what is he famous for wearing? Crop tops. Yeah. What does he wear every practice? A crop top. So we will see exactly what's going on down there, and something tells me that it will look just like it always did when it needs to. Big shout to Ezekiel Elliott and eating crawfish in general. <laughs> Moving on. Shout you out. worked in the front office for a National Basketball Association franchise. Mm-hmm. Something happened with a front office member that I've never heard of before. Right. My man Sean Marks went into the referee locker room after the game to start a confrontation. We hear about this from KG. We hear about this from Ron Artest. We hear about this from the enforcers around the league trying to find. We hear about this from the Rockets using tunnels. Soft move or boss move, being a front office executive involved in a tunnel backdoor conversation confrontation. First of all, let me point out, he's my man, Sean Marks. He was a Phoenix Sun. Uh, he also gave me a $500 gift card to Best Buy, which allowed me to purchase the first oh. laptop that I used to get my write my first piece for ESPN.com for. So shout Great. out to Sean Marks, my guy. Great. And this shout is absolutely 1,000% a boss move. And here's why, Jacoby. It's not because he was about to slap a ref or, or get some changes made or have some uh, calls overturned or any of that. It's because he's advertising. It's an infomercial, not only for his own team that I'm sticking up for you guys, but an infomercial for every free agent out there. Hey, 
If you're tired of your producer all up in the video, dancing, <laughs> come to Death Row. He said, come to Brooklyn. We look out for y'all. We take the fines. We take the suspensions. I love it. It's always like like one of the head coaches that gets themselves kicked out of game to show their guys that they support them. It's just like that. It's the front office version of that. And also, it makes me think a lot about the referee locker room. How big is it? Are there showers in there? Is there a yeah. lock on it? I, like, I want to know more about referee locker rooms now. I, no, I can tell you everything about it. It's it's fairly big. They have showers and they got everything. And then there's a security guard who sits out there at all times. I imagine. Yeah. And so if you try to bogart your way in, especially at home, that makes a very interesting dynamic. Because technically, if you're a security guard working in Brooklyn, wait, am I going to uh, tick off somebody by letting not letting the general manager get into somewhere oh, he no. wants to go? No, Sean walked up to the security guard very calmly. He was like, oh, man, what's up, Harry? Oh, my bad, Harry. How are the kids? Oh, I left something in there earlier. I'll be right back. And the second he got in, he started screaming. That's how it works. <laughs> I know how it works. Moving on. We're just so happy. I'm just so happy that uh, James Harden is okay today. Because this drive from Joe Ingles was basically a threat on his life. If you watch Joe Ingles go past him, he clearly took out some sort of weapon and tried to slit his throat. This was a vicious assault. The league should look at this, and Joe Ingles should either be, I don't know, a lifetime fan? I don't know what, I don't know what we should do here. This flop from James Harden, soft move or boss move. Oh man, it's, I'm sorry, it's a soft move, man. Like, it's not that he flopped. Everybody flops, they all sure. do it, let's not, Shame. But like the carrying on afterwards, like, oh, he elbowed me. Like, oh, my throat. Like he just kept trying to sell it after nobody really bought it. Like it's just, this is the thing, uh, Jacoby. We have a fine system apparently for flopping. Uh, Once upon a time, I remember that happening. Yeah, we did. And then the other day, someone got a warning. Three years. Yeah, I'm I'm just like, I find twice and then it just doesn't happen. Here's my thing. I'm going to go the other way on this. James Harden actually did get hit in the Adam's apple. And if you have been hit in the Adam's apple, it's really uncomfortable. You can't breathe for a second. It freaks you out. I'm going to say that he actually was hit in the Adam's apple with an elbow. And this was not as much of a flop as people think it is. I'm going to say it into a microphone on national television. And I actually believe it. Okay, let me ask you. What happened when you got hit in the Adam's apple? I don't like follow-up questions. Let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen you on social media. You've had some... Frustrating baggage claims experiences. And you've documented them, and it's been very entertaining for those that follow you on Instagram, which everyone should do. And we've got baggage claim related news. Okay. A couple that originally met in that romantic environment of the baggage claim after a long flight (laughs) in Cleveland at Baggage Claim Carousel 6, I believe. They met there. I mean, they're now going to have their wedding ceremony. Don't say it. At Baggage Claim Carousel Number six, getting married in the baggage claim. Soft move or boss move? The softest of soft moves, man. Look, when you get married, first of all, who wants their pictures to all be at the airport? And by the way, Jacoby, have you been to Hopkins International Airport? I use the term international very, very loosely. There's a flight to Toronto. There's a flight to Toronto. Okay. You do need to go through customs for that. Of course, I've been to that airport and I find it to be, I don't know, second to like Paris or (laughs) perhaps Maui as some of the most beautiful romantic locations on earth. That's what I'm saying. Like, there are some airports. Charles de Gaulle is a very beautiful airport. Oh, yeah. Washington Dulles is a very visually appealing airport. This ain't one of them. (laughs) Hopkins is not. Let me go this way. As someone who spent way too much on this wedding, 
it's got to be a cheap venue. You know what I mean? It can't be that much. <laughs> Is fill, it? Fill out some paperwork. Hold on. Fill, fill out some paperwork with the with the city. If they, if they if they have to close this down, if they're spending real money on this, and they're really then they're playing checkers, not chess. Yeah, I mean you got to close down the baggage because that's one carousel they can't use for actual flights. Yeah. There's got to be some weird TSA regulations. I'm gonna, I'm gonna do. You know what? I don't like to do real research on stories that we cover. I think I'm gonna do some real research on this. I'm gonna read the article, not the headline on this one. And there will be an update in future episodes of Jalen and Jacoby. Awesome. Perhaps we'll even attend the wedding. Who knows? Live show. Our next live show from this wedding, from the Hopkins International Airport. <laughs> I have some news that's going to change almost everyone's lives. Okay. There is a coder who went into the back end, did that intelligent coding stuff of Instagram's app, and they found that Instagram may be preparing a function where you can make your likes private. What? You will no longer see how many likes an image or video or story gets. What? I love this idea. What's your initial reaction? I, I, I don't care. Personally, but I what I believe hold is hold on, the, hold on. I don't care how many. You're likes saying one. you don't care how many likes something gets. No. Are you really saying that from your real, true heart and soul, or are you just saying that because you know it's the right thing to say? No, no, no. I, I say that because I don't care because I'm new to Instagram, so I like a lot of the stuff I don't really buy into. But on the other hand, I know that it's an industry, right? And there are a lot of people who are making money off of the the basis of oh look how many likes my pictures get. So I don't know if people would like to hide their likes because. It's a form of revenue generation. See, for me, it's like, why are we quantifying the quality of an image? You know what I mean? It just seems like even with my own experience, I have to be self-aware of it. I'm like, ooh, this one got a lot of likes. Why did this one get likes? Maybe I should do more like this. And it's just like, why Why is this quantified? Like, this is just a picture of my kid. Like, why Why? Why does this need to be? Why is it be a scoreboard associated with this? It's a picture of my daughter crying. You know what I mean? Like, we don't need to get a number associated with this. I like this idea. Yo, do, you remember, do you remember the story about the woman who was really upset that one of her children always got less likes when she posted the picture of the child? rather than the other children and no. she's worried that it would affect the self-esteem of her child <laughs> yes yes well she needs to worry about a lot more than that if that's how she is viewing the world and her children's <laughs> future yep. moving on to some nba action guess what we have two games tonight in the playoffs we'll start with the one that will probably be more competitive at 10 30 we have the rockets going into utah to face the jazz can the jazz pull off a win can they? Yes. You know, last game, they defended James Harden as well as you possibly can, uh, but it still didn't matter because they couldn't hit shots at the end, and ultimately that's what it comes down to. Really what these two games are about is can this team sweep so they're rested for their next series? So I ask, can the Bucks pull off the sweep so they're rested when they face the Celtics in the second round? Jacoby, I've got to be honest with you. I haven't watched this series in about two games. After game one, I said, I game have to choose. Rough. I'm a parent. Blake I have to well. choose. Blake came back in game three and played well. So I, I'm giving him a chance. In Detroit, Blake Griffin can do something. He played great in game three. I'm excited to see Blake. I want to thank Kendrick Perkins for coming through. I also want to thank Amino Hassan for coming through. He'll be back on Friday for the full hour show. We have Jalen Rose on the show tomorrow. So make sure you call in 985-80-JALEN and leave us messages. Ladies, we need your messages. 985-80-JALEN. International callers as well. Whether you are an American abroad or someone from abroad in America, make sure you call 985-80-JALEN and leave us messages. We'll be back tomorrow. Why is that, KRS? We're not done. We're not done. We're not done.
Speaking of the hobbits, let's talk about LeBron James. All I care about is my nipples. Seriously. 